Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So uh, get a measuring stick out. So get a tape measure out. Let's do some measurement. Um, How long is your arm? Can you measure that? Pretty easy, perhaps. How uh, how far off the ground is the tabletop? Can you measure that? So far, so good. How about measure the love that your mother has for you? How's that measuring stick working out? How about the 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 pain and anguish that 2020 brought? out of the collective consciousness. Is there a measuring stick for that? What I'm getting at is I'm really, I'm totally very excited about tonight's show. The topic tonight is how to use pleasure to unlock your personal power. And our guest tonight is Anara Lani. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. But the topic tonight is how to use pleasure to unlock your personal power. How can we talk about power if we can't even quantify power? To unlock our personal power. So let's put a spin on it. Let's use archetypes. Archetypes are fun. What's a what's a powerful archetype? Is it a is it a king? King up on the hill in the castle and he decrees something and the nation, the country is is subservient to his every whim. Maybe it's the the warrior, the the strength, the will, the courage, the bravery of a warrior. Maybe it's a messiah. Um, the the story of Jesus um, feeding the masses, walking on water, um, healing the sick. That sounds pretty powerful. What I um, what I think is elusive and perhaps slippery is the notion of ourselves. I I suggest we're all woven from the same fabric of consciousness, divine consciousness. We've talked about it many times on this show. But if we don't um if we don't see ourselves as a powerful persona having a very intense um, karmic experience, it can be hard for us to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about personal power. The uh, it, It's an elusive thing to measure. It's an elusive thing to quantify. So, so imagine you, um, let's daydream a little bit. Uh, what if there's a planet that was so evolved, so enlightened, that everybody was a Jesus, uh, a Messiah, uh, a Lord or a Savior or whatever. Everybody on the planet. That um, that can you can paint a picture with that. 
And and now let's go to the polar opposite and imagine a planet that is is darkness and heartache and suffering and pain and and anger and frustration. I would suggest the notion of viscosity, of density, if you will, where where Jesus would pulled his friends off on the side and said, here, hold my beard, check this out, and he turns his persona into pure light. And then there's the homeless guy standing on the corner, and he's trying to get through the hour. He's shaking his, if he gets a cold tonight, he'll probably die. Well, imagine that persona loaded up load it up with viscosity like you're in a swimming pool and it's full of jello and the jello's like chest deep and if you want to walk three feet the viscosity this intangible aspect of ourselves the density of ourselves our viscosity is a is a perhaps a way we could Use a metric to measure our personal power. How many people go through their whole life and there's not much change? And I'm not I'm not saying anything is good or bad, but on this planet, it's very common for people to have a very limited. Um, change in the amount of their personal power. And we're going to get to the episode in, in just a minute, but when we when we talk about releasing, releasing energy out of our psyche, we're changing our viscosity. We're changing our dynamic. We're changing our experience of life on earth. And I I tell you I came across this quite accidentally. I didn't I didn't raise my hand, the teacher didn't call on me, the cosmic two by four came along and smacked me upside the head and demonstrated a, a very powerful event in my life. And um that demonstrated to me the notion of of suppressed power in our persona. And this radio show, all my books, etc., is a consequence of power, to, to be able to language the notion of power. Enough uh, setting the stage of, of I think, what's, what's going to be a very powerful conversation. Again, our topic tonight is how to use pleasure, boy, I'm in, that sounds good to me. How to use pleasure to unlock your personal power. And our guest tonight is Anara Lani. Uh, Anara is a somatic sex educator certified through the Institute for the Study of Somatic Sexology, specializing in personal empowerment. Through self-awareness, love that, embodiment practices, yes, and communication tools, perfect. She weaves her 20-plus years of integrative body-mind approaches to sexual studies 
to create a relatable and trustworthy method that people can connect with their inner wisdom. You can learn more about Anara at her website, Anara Lani, A-N-A-R-A-L-A-N-I.com. Join me in welcoming Anara to the show. You're finally on the show, Anara. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Um, we talked the other day about um, the experience of of bumping up against our our personal power, mm. bumping up against the the shadow side of ourselves when we go to be mm. intimate with another. Mm-hmm. How did you Indeed. How did you get into this? I mean. Um, th- Obviously, this has struck a chord with you to have twenty plus years experience with this how did you How did you come to hone in on this as an aspect of your life work? Oh, thank you so much for asking. You know I mean, I guess a short and simple answer was I was intrigued with sex from the moment I stepped into puberty and was fascinated by all of the sensations that were available in my body. And didn't have a lot of guidance, didn't really have a a mentor, a teacher, a mother that spoke to me about this stuff and had to figure it out on my own. And I also had a natural depth of curiosity with the the natural world and with the sense of spirit or God. And I was a little girl that grew up on the island of Maui, Hawaii, in a Catholic family with a father's side who was Catholic and my mother who's an atheist. So bridging these sorts of concepts of the divine and the body and pleasure and nature have been a part of my curiosity, I would say, my whole life. And I only recognize that from this lens as I reflect back. Um, But to give you a more direct answer, I think when I began studying kundalini yoga about 21 years ago is when I began to awaken to this sense that we are more than our ego identity and that our physical bodies are filled with potentials that we're unlocking with every class that I took. Very nice. Well, how do how do we start to um, talk about the notion of of the somatic and and sexual aspect of ourselves, and how we bump up against? Uh, uh, things that might not feel so good, like, for example, shame or um, being self-conscious or not. um, Mm -hmm. I mean, because uh, when we talk about sex on this planet, and especially in the United States, there can be a a lot of um, dogma associated with it. And Mm -hmm. and it's quite clear we have a, a very and unhealthy relationship with that. We certainly do, and it's confusing. It's one of the most confusing things we have. It's probably the most potent and powerful energy we have in human bodies, and it's also the most misrepresented and, and convoluted and controlled. And, yes, shame is prolific. And so I guess what I would say is how to navigate that right off the bat is really not starting with the shame and learning how to get comfortable with less charged parts of the body 
instead of just going straight for the genitals. <laughs> so this idea of learning how to bring presence to the breath and to simple movements and to bring awareness to um, the many systems of the body. And then once we have a lived practice of that, beginning to work with things that are a little more charged, like the genitals. Right. Well, I think, for me anyway, the when we bump up against our um, our shadow side, so to speak, it's it's a feeling, it's an experience that we have within our body. And oftentimes we can develop a habit. It's, you know, I mean, if if you're raised in a a tough household where perhaps domestic violence was normal, and I mean, what what I'm getting at is there can, there can be some serious consequences behind feelings, behind emotions when we when we're raised in a really dysfunctional environment. Absolutely. And, and to develop habits of avoiding feelings uh, can can be a healthy mechanism, perhaps, in that environment to keep ourselves safe. And right. then here we are on a show talking about bumping up against our feelings, and we can have these ingrained habits of I I don't want I just a minute, I don't want to go there. I mean, how do we mm-hmm. how, do, how do we reprogram or or um, change our experience with feelings? Because if we if we can't feel something, we can't really heal something. I mean, it's so true. In order for us, in order for us to, uh, I mean, because what we're talking about on the show tonight is is a transformation of self. How do we change our relationship with feelings that we might have perhaps decades of negative experiences with? Well, isn't that the million-dollar question, my friend? (laughs) There's not a one answer. (laughs) I would love to say I've got the magic pill. And it's um, it's unique for each one of us. And the, the first thing that I want to say is we slow way down. For many of us, we can recognize that, yes, that there's embarrassment or there's confusion or there's shame. How many of us work with that is either where we collapse into it and we shut down and we pretend it doesn't exist or we avoid um, we, another one, well, I guess this is also a version of pretending it doesn't exist. We just sort of override it and, and go on to the to behaviors. Let's say we'll use sex as an example that instead of feeling the insecurity or shame, we pretend it doesn't exist and then get on with the penises and vaginas or whatever the person looks like that you're going to be intimate with. And you go past all of the uncomfortable parts. And, um, and, you know, this is, this is a meta- I'm using the metaphor of, of sex and intimacy, but this is also true with insecurities in your job or in any way that you feel insecure. And so the system and the practice of how, how do we awaken to the places where we override the uncomfortable feelings or we collapse into them and we avoid doing the thing that makes us uncomfortable? I mean, I think the first step is curiosity, a desire to shift, awakening to the fact that there's something that you want that is different than what you have, and then there must be a readiness for the change. 
So that readiness, those moments are unique to each person. It could be a catastrophic event. It could be a pandemic. It could be a loss of a loved one. It could be waking up in midlife and realizing that nothing is as you were expecting it to be and that you're completely unhappy. And so the first step is stillness and then presence and then curiosity. There's a lot more I can say about this. Well, we have time, so we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that first element you talked about was stillness. Um, A lot of us uh, had stillness handed to us on a platter with this 2020 thing where our... our I, I suggest a lot of us had a busy, busy agenda, busy, busy mind, hurry, hurry, scurry, scurry agenda mm-hmm. in 2019, and then 2020 comes along and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. What you think is going to happen and what's going to happen are two different things, and everybody had to slow down, stay at home, not interact with others, be present with themselves, be present with themselves for much longer periods of time than perhaps would have ever happened in 2019. Mm. In, well, that's a big assumption, so, my friend, that people are being present with themselves. I imagine that a lot of people spent much of their time distracting from being present with themselves and consuming media or movies or, or social media or all sorts of things. This The kind of presence that I'm referencing is the kind that, that takes practice. And it's not just the opportunity to not have other things to do, but it's really taking the invitation to pay attention to the uncomfortable parts that we kind of tend to avoid with all of our distractions. Well, thank you for that clarity. I'm, I'm the I think it does take um, it takes effort and uh, perhaps uh, being able to be present I mean to uh, your, your language has been so excellent with this to, to slow down and be present with yourself is an easy sentence to say but mm. to really kind of get organic with that, perhaps that is a good measuring stick for yeah. how comfortable we are in our own skin, how comfortable. I mean, um, we were talking the other day, and you said something that I felt was um, very powerful where I think you used the context of a woman um Discovering who she was, uh, I, I don't remember your words exactly, but it's like find your own dominion, find your own preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get get um, get reacquainted with yourself, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Well, in my world, that's the source of personal power is really understanding not just what we think or what we believe or how appropriate we are or or successful we are in our jobs, our careers, our relationships, this kind of normal, in quotes, way that we go through the world of 
appropriate behavior that we've been conditioned to be like, you know, it's, it's social custom. We fall into line, we go to work at certain times and, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's actually all quite wonderful, but there's other kinds of ways of being aside from the ways that we've been taught. And perhaps the way that you were taught is just right for you. And perhaps it wasn't. And so this idea of taking space to create contrast to rather than following along with doing what you thought you were supposed to do or you were told you were supposed to do or that you even signed up to do. And I'm being kind of vague here, but we can, um, you know, we can bring the metaphor again of bodies and sexuality. And, and it's not uncommon for me to work with women in midlife who have come to the realization that they've actually never had sex for their own pleasure and their own desire, that every single time they'd had intercourse with their partner or husband, that it was because it was something that was expected of them. And this is a powerful moment to awaken to, these precious vehicles that we have, these sacred consorts called our bodies, and to think that instead of being in connection and communion with our own desire, We get taught from a very young age about how to be desirable and how to do what our partners want so we can, in quotes, keep them. But we don't really teach little girls about their desire and how to be in their body and how to discern what an authentic yes is and a no and giving them permission to change their mind anywhere in between. I think it's changing. I think it's definitely changing with my children and the generation of my kids. But I think women that are my age and older really didn't get that role modeled. It's a precious thing to come home to one's own body, to have not just personal agency but sovereignty and to feel a deep connection with what we authentically desire and letting that be the guidepost. Sovereignty. So when when you say sovereignty, I love that. I love that term. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and perhaps it could be said that your relationship with your own personal sovereignty is perhaps somewhat related to your relationship with your ability to receive pleasure on your terms. Uh, ding, 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 you know ding, I mean? ding. Yes, absolutely. So, absolutely. So if, if I'm listening to this show and I'm thinking, well, I know who I am, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm not discounting anything because on this planet uh, um, there's so many dynamics, and I'm not saying anything's right or wrong, but again, on the flip side of that, if you're listening to this episode, there might be more to discover about yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I love the idea of perhaps reintroducing ourselves to the notion of pleasure on our terms, pleasure on um, um, in a in a way that we find authentic, and that's why I I knew this was going to be a delightful episode I suggest mm-hmm. our relationship with um, how deeply we can go into our 
into our that intimate space with our partner. Because mm-hmm. when you start to open up, when you start to perhaps metaphorically let down your guard and and commune, if you will, with your partner, you can kind of bump up against um, some some deeper aspects of yourself that aren't so obvious uh, when mm-hmm. when you're just going through your day. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could call that a vulnerability threshold or when we get really open and revealed and um, then we notice the place where I can't go in or I don't feel comfortable going any further. And many people stop there and you don't actually have to continue the exploration. But for those intrepid and curious souls that wish to bring their consciousness to the highest level, that wish to expand their possibilities of feeling and I'm going to use funny language like incarnating in their bodies fully and completely so they can bring their fullest self onto the earth plane and radiate that for those ones. Going a little bit further into those places that we're taught to to see as a limitation and, and bring some curiosity and wonder there. And pleasure, from my lens, is a really beautiful way to do that. Interestingly, you you brought up about when you're connecting with your partner and and coming up against these sorts of places where shadow shows up or vulnerability gets to be too too difficult to bridge. And the much of the work that I do is supporting people with learning how to get really intimate and vulnerable with themselves. And so this is the piece of of self-sovereignty and personal agency and, and how working with pleasure becomes a seat or a tool or a metaphor for embodying every the fullest aspect of your own personal essence, which I would say is personal power. And so you were really alluding to that earlier about how when we know ourselves, then we can fully access ourselves and then we can radiate our essence, um, otherwise known as our personal power. Well, I like that. Um Maybe this is a good um, moment to uh, where you might be able to share some of your experiences. I mean, mm-hmm. like some before and after um, examples of of what kind of transformation a, a, a person can experience. It's not like we're all going to have the same experience, but as you've worked with people over the years, can you share with mm. us some examples of how their lives changed? Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly enough, people tend to come to me, obviously, when they're having challenges in their sex life. And perhaps there's um, erectile dysfunction or, or unintentional ejaculation. Perhaps it's a pre-orgasmic woman where, I mean, it's, I think statistically the numbers are about 33% of American women have never had an orgasm. And so there's, there's uh, really approximately 32 or 33% of women consistently orgasm with predictability. And so the people come to me because they, they want to, there's something going on in their sex life. And what happens is in order for us to, I'll use the word heal, I tend to prefer the word whole or integrate all parts of ourselves. In order for us 
to enjoy sex to the fullest, like you just said earlier, it's really about surrender and opening and vulnerability and being in a precious state of allowing. And so for there's so many women in particular that I've worked with that are powerful go-getters, top of their career, mothers, homeowners, business owners, entrepreneurs that are really doing everything in quotes right and wake up at a certain point and realize there's no fulfillment. There's no, and they might be having orgasms consistently with their partners or, or by themselves, but that there's no fulfillment in their life and there's something lacking and they don't know why. And so they come because they want to heal something with their husbands or their wives or their partners. Or, but they, what we end up working on is how to bring more presence to all of the subtle cues that our body is communicating in every moment of every day that we tend to ignore because they're inconvenient, cues that say, hmm, maybe this isn't the right career for you. Maybe you've learned everything you need to share. Maybe you need to rest more. Maybe you need to eat um, more nutrient-dense food and drink more water. And these things that are easy to ignore. Um, some of the more, I know you're asking me for specific scenarios with people, and I'm kind of giving you broad strokes, but I, I often feel like much of what I do is I take the, the hand of, of the dear one in front of me and the metaphoric hand, of course, and guide them back into their body and teach people how to really orient sometimes for the very first time to what authentic alignment feels like. If you imagine as a child, and this is innocent and wonderful, we put our kids on schedules because it makes sense. So we feed them at a certain time. We put them down to sleep at a certain time. And there's no part of me that wants to judge anybody's parenting styles. But just as, as, a, as an example, from a very young age, we're taught to do things at a timeline that's not necessarily organic to our bodies. We're taught that we wake up at this time, we go to school at this time, we go to these classes. And so we have these external markers that we act from. And then, of course, we're pack animals. We're social beings. And so we look outside of ourselves to, to also check, am I on point? Am I doing things right? Is everything falling into line? And then there's, you know, a myriad of as many different ways as there are people to find success and how to order yourself. But this, the, the, what I'm trying to bring forth is this idea that when we orient from something that's different than our bodies or when we're not having enough information or the ratio of information that's coming in that we're making decisions from is not including the wisdom of the body enough. We unfortunately and accidentally disconnect from this amazingly potent and necessary part of our intrinsic wisdom. So people come because of erectile dysfunction and what we end up working on is a practice of deeply listening to all of the subtle, tiny cues that are happening in your emotional self, in your sense of safety, in your feelings of vulnerability, in your feelings of intimacy and trust with your partner. And we end up unpacking what the root of the circumstance is, which then, of course, brings more choice and more freedom and then the ability to create more of the circumstances that you would like. Did I, does, that, does that make sense when I say that? Oh, yeah. Your language mm. is wonderful. The, mm, thank you. Well, thank I'm, you. I'm like 
the, the idea of um, I, I can't remember exactly your words, but uh, organic wisdom, innate wisdom of the body, and yeah. and to slow down and tune in to. Mm-hmm. I, um, wow, I. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of um spectrum range depth that we could discover about ourselves could, mm-hmm. uh, what comes to mind is if you go out in in nature if you disconnect from the the western human mind narrative i mean we live in a sea of i think we, you were sharing um social media and some of the conundrum behind that in our call the other day. But if Mm -hmm. I I like the notion of thinking, well, what if I wasn't born a human? What if I was born a deer and I live out in the, out in nature and I would go find myself as a deer. I'm totally tuned in. I'm tuned in. Mm -hmm. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in harmony with my own body and that, and that body is in harmony with my environment. Right. And and I, and I love what you're animal. saying about I, I love what you're saying about the wisdom of our body and mm-hmm. to to move that more front and center moment by moment and when our body gives us a hit about what we might choose in the moment to not mm-hmm. discount that. I think is what you're exactly. saying. That's exactly right. And I also don't mean to imply that we only use the physicality as our means for decision-making. It's a spectrum of information that comes in. Or these bodies, these beings, our consciousness, we're little information centers exchanging information with the world around us in every given moment. But what I notice is we get so consumed with the mental body and our thinking mind and, and the framework of perception that comes from whatever our priorities are. So if it's success or having a, you know, success in all the ways, whether it's business success or family success or successful friendships, and then we orient ourselves from that lens, we forget to look at the other lenses. It's as if we, we kind of put blinders on and we get single tracked. And it's, you know, I mean, it's neurology. It's the way that human brains work. That's how we've been able to be so successful and climb to the top of the food chain, so to speak. But I think that there is a great um, wisdom in coming home to the body and listening to the creature of us as well and having that be have equal voice in our decision-making and in our connection to the world around us. I mean, so I think that's the one that I feel incredibly passionate about, my goodness. I think in spiritual community, we sometimes can forget, and, and that's a loose term, and so I don't, it, it, that could also be a loaded term, but in intentional communities where we're working on growing ourselves to be the best that we can be, it's sometimes forgotten that we do this for each other. We do this for the ecosystem of our human family, not just for our personal um, development, but we develop ourselves so that we can be better participants in the ecosystem of, of all of us. And by listening to the body, the body's keenly attuned to that. Our nervous systems are connecting with each other on countless ways that we don't even perceive us in every given moment. Wow, so this web. I, I really, I really like that. I, I have, I, 
every now and again I have this this vision of a farm and orchard mm. where there's just a wagon and there's a horse pulling the wagon and mm-hmm. every what what I'm getting at is everything is organic everything is alive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and we pick the harvest and we put it in the basket and we bring it up to the house and yeah. and the harmony of nature is preserved in every step and then you look at how we process our food and it's a mm-hmm. It's industrial motors and conveyor belts and plastic packaging and um, mm-hmm. it, it's it, technology is not going to be our saving grace, <laughs> if you will. I mean, I mean, what we're really looking for, I, I, um, what we're looking for is uh, perhaps returning to where we were and we forgot about that, if it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, perhaps this world is on a trajectory that I don't anticipate will change. And so technology is going to be a part of our lives for as long as we have power sources, right? As long as we have access to electricity, then technology will be a part of our world. And so for me, from my lens, it's how do we work synergistically with this? How do we take the wisdom of what technology has to offer and weave it with the intrinsic wisdom that our bodies already have? How do we synthesize this and make room for all of it and use our technology uh, instead of for manipulation and control so that we purchase more things and so our economy can continue to work the way that it does? How can we use technology to bring more harmony to the planet and to each other? I mean, I think that there's a there's a real opportunity here. Boy, I like that. Um, well, Let's talk, let's talk a little more about um, moving into that space of intimacy. I, I know from the mm-hmm. from the masculine side, a lot of times when um, men go to be intimate with their partner and emotions mm-hmm. come up, they can feel like yeah. they're kind of on the hook, if you will, to fix it or or take care of it or uh, Mm. from the masculine side it can feel very uh, um, uh, um, uneasy or uncomfortable to feel feelings and and what I what I like about this episode is I I think the sexual arena is a great place to um, develop the tools if you will to to go ahead and, and step into that intimacy and, and when when the feelings come up to learn a, a more healthy dynamic, to learn a more um, uh, uh, change the pattern, if you will, change the reflex and mm-hmm. be able to process and, and, and perhaps like vent or release or transform if you will that um mm. what what we bump up against absolutely i think that's a brilliant idea i mean men i think this is changing now and i look i've got a 15 year old son and a 21 year old daughter and um being around my daughter's uh, boyfriends and seeing how much more emotionally integrated they are just gives me so much hope but for men prior to this youngest generation 
there just really hasn't been any tutelage around how to navigate emotion. And so men have historically really relied on females or the feminine energy of whoever they're with to be that support and an example. And so you gave that example that men traditionally want to fix things. And it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful gift to want to fix things, especially when it's applied at the right time. And sometimes they want to fix things because it's so uncomfortable to be in the presence of something they don't know about that they just want to do, just get out of there. So fix the problem, make the crying stop, and then everything will go back to normal. And so I think what you're saying is really cultivating this practice of sitting in stillness, and um, and by stillness I mean non-action, and allowing whatever emotional response that wants to move through their partner or even themselves to happen and bring awareness to it, be witness to it, not have to change it, not have to fix it, not have to get out of it, but simply practice being in the presence of it without being swept away by it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It, it's like, mm-hmm. um, and I see it as a back and forth thing. So perhaps as an example, the, the man can hold the space. And when I say hold mm-hmm. the space, it's not an action item per se, but yeah. but you... You allow your partner to to crumble and 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 fall into the emotion and and totally mm-hmm. uh, feel it and embody it and and cry and and whatever whatever the impulse of the moment is and you're just holding the space you're not right. um and and that can feel really kind of spooky <laughs> because mm-hmm. of patterns and then yeah. I think what's really healthy is to have that flip over and mm-hmm. have the woman hold the space for the man for me um, when I got cracked open with that cosmic 2 by 4 so much energy flowed out of my body in just a few seconds or a minute or two so much energy mm-hmm. came out of my mm-hmm. persona and I mm. think in in those intimate moments, mm-hmm. when we feel safe because our partner is holding space, and we we don't have any responsibility to maintain a sense of normal, and we can go into the go into the feeling and kind of capitulate mm-hmm. to it, we can release an immense amount of energy out of our persona, which is always, in my perspective, a very healthy thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and when a couple can learn how to do that back and forth and back and forth and get more skilled and comfortable with it, then a much deeper, um, uh, much deeper level of, of integration or healing or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it can That's unravel right. out of our psyche, and we and we can more fully embody um, who we are. Absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture that you paint. And and dare I say, maybe even the ideal. I mean, it's certainly my ideal. There's going to be as many ideals as there are people, of course. There's all the right ways. And this feels optimal to me to really support each other through our journey of release, allowing, and integrating, and 
ultimately coming more fully into wholeness. And so that's and the biggest the thing that I want to highlight that you mentioned was that this is all available when we have the courage to open enough, to be vulnerable enough to allow these things to move through. And we have the courage to stay in the discomfort and stay with the state in the fire and just let it work us, let the fire burn off the dross. And what remains is, is supposed to be there. And usually what remains is deeper intimacy and a more profound and rich connection. More profound and rich connection. It's, mm-hmm. I like the notion of um, born again's got some stigma to it, but mm. but the idea of uh, born anew. I mean, right. um, yeah. it transforms who you are as a person, and your relationship is renewed or unnewed yeah. because both right. um, through that transformation. And and mm-hmm. I, I think that's what uh, keeps the relationship uh, vibrant and and uh, perhaps healthy. And um, we got about ten minutes left. Boy, how time flies when we get to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I want to shed some light on on you and your services. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us an idea of uh, like? who your ideal client is and and what working with you can look like. Thank you. I'd be happy to answer that. And right before I do, I just want to make note of something that we just ended with, which was these are the kinds of things that we do in our romantic partnerships to build in deeper and deepen intimacy. But these are also things that you can do in your friendships and with your family any kind of intimate relationship where you're willing to go into that, the depths of vulnerability and really share your heart when it's safe and it's reciprocal and it's something that's decided for your personal growth. I just want to make mention because not everyone is partnered and that this is the kind of work that can happen all of the time in many different circumstances, albeit with good discernment and making sure, you know, with appropriateness. But when there's a depth of intimacy in one, any of your, of your relationships, that they don't have to just be sexually intimate, that this, is, this kind of growth is possible. Very nice. Yeah. And so, um, so I have an office in Lakewood off of 6th and Wadsworth, and I have a private practice there where I work with people predominantly who have done a fair amount of work. Not necessarily newbies, certainly not people in extreme duress or sort of in the front lines of, of, of trauma response. Um, I work with people who, and maybe, maybe I'll clarify that in just a moment. I work with people who have a certain level of wellness already and are looking to up-level their lives. I work with people who are in committed relationships and really want to grow their relationship into more fulfillment and to have deeper intimacy. And sometimes that means that that's, that's, uh, it, it, keeps, it makes them come together. And, I've, it's, and sometimes that means that it's, more wholeness is possible when they're apart. But working with people who are committed to their evolution and are already on a path of, of working towards that. There's, um, there's certainly couples that I've had to pass on to other kinds of therapists 
because before you can work on this sort of these flavors of intimacy, there has to be a foundation of health and communication and, um, and devotion to wanting the best for each other. And so if there's a, so there's a lot of resentment or there's a lot of unresolved and unintegrated emotional charges, I'm not the best person for that, if that makes sense. It does. And now, so I, you said, yeah. said Six and Wadsworth, that's in Denver, Colorado. Now, it is, yeah. do, you, do you work online with people or is it all in personal? Oh, I do. Thank you so much. I do Zoom calls, and you can get my information from my website that you mentioned. I also do small group classes, and as soon as, as things change a little bit, we will probably be, I'll begin to do group classes in person, very small group classes in person, but um, stay tuned for new classes that will be dropping online, small groups. Um, look at, there'll, there'll be more information in the next couple of months of different courses that will be coming up with specific topics like um, how to uncover curiosity. Because from my lens, curiosity is the cornerstone or kind of even like the philosopher's stone of everything that I'm up to and everything that I do without a sense of curiosity and maybe even a, a diffused or dispersed kind of awareness. This kind of deep inner journey work where we use our bodies isn't really available. So classes about that and classes about sex and intimacy, um, the anatomy of pleasure, and um, more, more to be revealed. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's when you mention the curiosity, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a notion of um, our soul guiding us, so to speak. Yes. Everything that that catches our attention is mm-hmm. in some form in resonant, resonance with our attention, and so when we, yeah. I, I love the notion of curiosity because what you're basically um, saying with curiosity is you're letting go of the mundane or the mm-hmm. normal or the status quo of of what you've given your attention and you become right. sensitive or perhaps hypersensitive to other mm-hmm. aspects of your consciousness, which perhaps is a seed from your soul to right. bring you into new arenas of experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a vehicle for how your soul can guide you, if you will, and, and get out of your Western mind and let that multi-dimensional aspect of yourself influence you the vector or trajectory of your life, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's absolutely my philosophy as well. Well, um, how about some uh, before and after um, notions? I mean, how does somebody's life change? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of changes have you noticed in your clientele as they um, engage your uh, services? An overall sense of fulfillment where life started off in this kind of dopamine or a grasping way of searching for happiness, searching for something elusive like good feelings and then 
really working with compulsion around them. I'm going to use the word that people are wanting happiness, and it's so often that we conflate pleasure and happiness in our culture, and it's interesting because then we get the pleasure, but we're still not happy, so what's going on? And so through each person is going to be different, of course. The kinds of things that we do are ultimately the same around mindfulness and presence and getting curious about what's already there, curious about what you want, taking this kind of grasping, um, rushed, hurried, uh, unhappy or unfulfilled kind of lens into a place of authentic fulfillment, into a place of personal sovereignty, into a place of feeling like there's an alignment and there's a trust of oneself, a deepening of compassion. People walk away feeling a deeper sense of belonging and not being so confused about why the world is happening the way that it is. People come to me for sexual challenges and they walk away with a deeper sense of who they are and how to make their life exactly as they want it to be. Now, I'm making that sound like it's quite fantastical, but these tools that we use to heal our bodies and connect to our sensory system are the very same tools that we use to create the lives that we want with. So it's a really straight-line correlation. Well, I don't, I don't think you can um, undersell the, <laughs> the power of the persona in, I mean... Mm-hmm. To, to unravel ourselves, to more fully embody, I mean, uh, uh, you suggest a, a deeper sense of fulfillment, a deeper sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Purpose is another one, recognizing what your soul's purpose is. Because as we learn to follow, just as you so beautifully stated, as we learn to follow our impulse of curiosity, this is, these are the breadcrumbs that bring us to our soul's purpose. And when we have permission to do that in our own bodies and working with sexuality, it's a very easy jump to just use that in every other aspect of your life. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Great languaging. I love that. And and I suggest Mm -hmm. um, the rate in which we allow that higher wisdom Mm -hmm. or the the, the soul dynamic, um, for many people, uh, part of the reason they're experiencing such a mundane or unfulfilling aspect of self is because there's no soul. There's no um, um, the, that dynamic, if you will, has has shut down long ago. And and to yeah. re uh, to reawaken it, I suggest mm-hmm. um, you get a taste of that. You get some mm. skin with that, and yeah. there's no turn back. I mean, yeah, uh, I can I can speak for myself. I am like my age is now my business. My soul is showing me all this stuff for my life, and I'm like, damn, damn, mm. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, like settle up. This is gonna be fun, and mm-hmm. uh, I can really sense of. Um, uh, I could, I'd even be as uh, I could say everlasting because I I don't think our soul can ever be uh, consumed or exhausted. It it's kind mm-hmm. of a an ever fulfilling expansion of self if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's beautiful. 
This well, has been such a wonderful time. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I've had an awesome time connecting with you. <laughs> well, um, I think I think what you do is um, a very very powerful modality, and uh, I can only um, speaking with my own experience. Certainly, in in the uh, the uh, sexual intimacy, perhaps uh, tantra or whatnot, I've experienced mm-hmm. an immense amount of. Um, energetic transformation, if you will. Yeah. Ecstatic dance is another arena that I've mm-hmm. seen. Um, like in in Denver, there's Rhythm Sanctuary and and like uh, DJs like Sun Dragon. That I mm-hmm. I think uh, there can be a point where um, in the in the ecstatic dance arena you can you can transform all kinds of stuff within your psyche that you're if you waited for your mind to discover <laughs> mm, have been a yeah. wait a but, few lifetimes um, time is time has come to an end um mm-hmm. Nara, i want to thank you so much i'm so delighted oh. we we got you on the show and i very much mm-hmm. have enjoyed this conversation as have I. Thank you so much, Anasta, and you're very welcome. I'm honored to be here. We've been talking with Anara Lani, and the topic tonight has been how to use pleasure to unlock your personal power. Again, her website is anaralani.com. When at the beginning of the show, I was talking about uh, a measuring stick. Um, how do you how do you quantify? How do you measure your own personal power? And I suggest to you that um, to release a, an immense amount of energy out of your psyche, and this can be done through. Um, when you bump up against uh, difficult feelings to to not avoid them, to not suppress them, to not um, push them down again, if you will, but actually lean into them. And the first few times you go to do that, and I get that. But when you when you bump up against um uncomfortable feelings within within your own psyche and you not you do the opposite of avoid them you tune into them and you and you create a conduit if you will to release them as you um develop that as a practice when you have new feelings come up in your psyche, that's a wonderful opportunity for you to transform yourself. And the more the more experience you get feeling comfortable, feeling uncomfortable, the more experience you get wanting to release the the um the the more uncomfortable the the more um 
anxious feelings that you get, as you learn to release them more and more, they lose their their substance in your life, and that frees you up. The more you allow yourself to feel a, a broader range of emotions, and you and you don't flinch or quiver when you feel them, and you can stay grounded, and you allow them to come up and release. You evolve what emotions you feel. If you don't ever give yourself the ability to feel them and you keep suppressing them, there's no emotional evolution in your life. That's what I liked about this episode is intimacy is a wonderful place to bump up against things we haven't been willing to look at in the past. And when we have the wherewithal to not only bump up against it, but release it, and when you can release it through through the sexual um, intimacy of, with your partner, you can realize what's happening and and kind of amp it up through the through the passion of this of the sexual interaction through. Through the sexual interaction, you can amp up how much energy you release. How cool is that? And once you've tasted the fruit, once you you feel how your body is different, you feel how your psyche is different from the release of this, 25 years ago was the first time it happened to me, and it was unintentional, and it was a cosmic two-by-four. But now I want it. I want it all felt um, in an indifferent way. I don't judge it. I want to feel it. I, if I watch a movie or something and I feel some really deep stuff come up in my psyche, that's pay dirt. That's pay dirt. I lean into it. I... I I let it uh let the feeling have its have its uh expression without hesitation or worry and over the years I I quit getting sick, I stay grounded, my emotional events are much shorter. The uh, any emotion is just a messenger for the moment. They're not intended to take hours or days to recover from. Anywho, I want to thank you, the listener. I want to thank you, the listener, for showing up for yourself. I, your soul is a is a multi-dimensional, very wise, dynamic aspect of yourself and and when you when you create a more healthy relationship with it it'll change the rest of your life in the most wonderful way i want to thank you for sharing this time with us always a pleasure i'm your host les jensen until next time thanks for listening this has been a new human living radio broadcast you can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.